if you walked out right now and every person you came in contact with, I don't care if you know them or not, you smile, make eye contact and simply say, hey, good morning. It changes the chemical balance inside of us and them. Our emotions dictate our behavior. When you go to Starbucks, engage the person at the register. Simply say, hey, thanks so much. You're freaking amazing. You're doing such a great job. Those little, those that, that 10 seconds of a few words that you decided to give someone can completely alter their chemical balance and change their day. Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? As we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results, this is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. I've got a great guest for you guys today. But before we get to that, John, how's it going, man? How you oh, doing? week so far? Uh, it's been a week, man. We're getting after it. We're getting stuff done. We are killing it over here, Beefy. Yeah, we're busy, man. Uh, yeah. Not every week can be a good week, and that's okay. I think sometimes it's just right. about hustle and drive and dealing with life and relationships and everything that life throws our way. But it's nice to like bring it all back once a week at the very least to talk to somebody who can bring us knowledge, who can help us out, who can just shed a little light on an industry that we might not know about. And today... We're talking about hospitality. Chris Adams is our guest. He is a disruptor of the hospitality industry, has climbed the ladder from pool attendant at the Ritz-Carlton to transforming Ritz-Carlton's. Adam founded Elite. Is it Ellis Adams Group, EAG? Is that right, Chris? It is. It is. You know. All right. Perfect. Yeah. EAG is an international hospitality consulting firm. The group focuses on all aspects of its businesses, including building brands, concept and design development, training, management, revenue generation, profit margin increases, Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, okay, what part of the world are you calling us from this morning? Because it looks like you're in one of your hotels that you're you're ever so visiting, I'd imagine. I know. I don't know what it's like to actually be in my own place. I'm actually down <laughs> in Miami right now. So it's a, a good time in How's the, the weather? Miami. Weather it's not right a bad right view. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, man, high that's... 70s today. Oh, perfect. Jealous. Perfect. It's like that perfect <laughs> California, San Diego, California weather, man. That's cool. We're based in Houston. We're getting a little bit of cooler weather today. It's, I think, like highs in the maybe like mid 50s. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that the fact that the humidity is kind of a, a little little less than it would normally be, where we just can't even walk out the house with sweat, without sweating. But, uh, dude, it's brutal. The there, icebreaker. Right? For, oh, dude, always, man. It's always, always just the highest humidity you can imagine. 100%. Couldn't do it. All right. No, it's 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 awful. And I'm a big guy. So it's like, <laughs> you can't be fat and live in Texas. Like, you just, <laughs> it's hard, bro. It's hard. All right. Let's get to the icebreaker, man. Let's kick it. Ice. Icebreaker. Ice All right. So what is something that takes you a lot of time, but is totally worth it? What is something that takes a lot of time in your day, but it's totally worth it? John, you got something in mind? I, I do. And it's. It's going to show how I'm a fat boy. Um, <laughs> yeast rolls, man. They take a long time to make, but they are so worth it. And that's the that first thing that came to mind. <laughs> man, I, 
This is a hard one for me. Chris, if you got something, man, jump in. I'm going to think about this one for a second. I feel horrible because now I'm going other end of the spectrum on this. And I was like, the first <laughs> go thing I have mind is going to the gym. <laughs> it, it, there takes, you go. All right. it takes time. It takes but time. Yes, I hate it. I do not. There is nothing about going to the gym I enjoy. But I know, you know, it'll keep me from dying this week, hopefully. So, yes, right, exactly. right. <laughs> hey, that's that's good, man. That's, that's a very that's good totally one. true. It's better than mine, this is I like think. maybe this is like um, like kind of sucking up, I guess, a little bit. But like mm-hmm. I have to I have an hour drive to work and an hour drive home every day. So it's like a two hour total. So it takes a lot of time, but it is totally worth it being mm-hmm. able to come here and hang out like we have a pretty cool job. You know, like sometimes yeah. it stresses us out and it overwhelms us. But at the end of the day, it's like we get to build badass brands. We get to work with clients that we want to work yeah. with. We're, we get to be selective of who we get to work with. And that's freaking cool. You know, I was my girlfriend was saying that she was going to take a little day trip, you know, road trip to hang out with a friend. And I was like, cool. Like that's exactly why we started a business. Like we could have the freedom to be able to make those choices in our day. So uh, that's, that's it. That's it for me. I think is just being able to, to have a business. It's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time, but it's totally worth it. That's on point with my industry answer as well. I was thinking SEO is one of those things that takes a lot of time, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. SEO sucks. It's great, but it's, it takes forever. We need to work right, on Chris. that episode SEO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris, I think we all we we all have a general idea of the concept of hospitality, but I'm kind of curious. How do you define hospitality? Honestly, you know, hospitality for me is one of those things that I didn't realize I was going to go into hospitality. Right, I wasn't. I didn't grow up in that industry. I didn't work at a bar through college, or you know, I, I'd never had that kind of job. So it wasn't one of those things that was normal for me until I stumbled into it and realized I grew up. My grandparents, uh, crazy enough, my grandparents from New Orleans. All right, so right next door to you and Houston. Oh, nice. And yeah, um, sure. I realize now, being in hospitality, that I grew up watching hospitality my entire life right my grandparents they were that three-bedroom house and that third bedroom always had somebody living in it that i didn't know but they were always uncle and aunt somebody (laughs) no one knew that clue who they were but they just cousin yeah cousin somebody and like you know i talked to my grandparents later in life and when i tell you this was until the till they passed away this is this is how their house was and it was always somebody that was either passing through town getting back on their feet in between jobs and I realize now, like I grew up in like the first hoteliers that I could ever be introduced to, um, the ultimate hospitality. They were my grandparents, and I didn't realize that they were kind of teaching me along the way without me knowing that I was going to end up in this industry. I mean, I can remember in in um, over the summers I would go there in high school, and my friends in New Orleans would always want to hang out with me because they knew at two o'clock in the morning we could show back up to her house and she'd be up ready to cook. Like it was just the ultimate hospitality, right? And so for me, hospitality is just a way of life. It's I hospitality for me transitioned into what leadership actually should be. Which means I care more about others than I do myself. And that's that's literally you could interchange that with with leadership or hospitality. They are one and the same, and I think when you finally get that, and you get that, and I think you look at in business in general, your team is more important than you are. And the more that you realize how good your people actually are, assuming you've made great hires, 
and you focus on others more than yourself, the byproduct of that is you start to find things in life that you never thought you were going to achieve. And so that's, that's for me what hospitality um, honestly is at its core. Yeah, I mean, that well said. I mean, I think that that's why I was excited about this conversation was the fact that, you know, when I when I first saw your name come across the desk about being a guest in the podcast, I was like, okay, how does this how does this fit into the show, you know? And I was like, wait a second, like it fits into everything about branding. It fits mm-hmm. into everything about leadership. Hospitality is at the core of should be at the core of any industry, right? It's not just the hotel industry. Um, I think I've shared this story before, but whenever I used to work for Apple, Apple would do leadership training with the Ritz Carlton executives. And I remember one of my senior managers had asked one of the Ritz Carlton's execs, he says, why do you guys give away all your secrets? And the guys at Ritz Carlton says, because we've been giving our secrets away for years and no one listens to our advice. And I was like, oh, like that's like, that's pretty brutal, right? Like I can give the secrets away all day long, but are you going to actually make the changes? Are you going to implement that behavior? And it's, it's kind of funny that you started with the Ritz because like, I feel like I've had some of those hotel experiences where you can tell which hotels really care about their brand and hospitalities at their core versus hotels um, that it's like a side thought. I remember there's a hotel. I wish I could remember what it was. It was in Savannah, Georgia. Um, we had been on tour with one of our clients. We had been on the road for like two or three days. And when I got there, I was like craving apple juice for, no no great it was grape juice because it was like a weird juice like right it wasn't like it was like something you couldn't like normally just grab or at the gas station or something and i remember when i checked in i was like hey is there any chance like you guys have grape juice or like know where i could get it nearby and they were like oh sorry sir like there's you know not really sure and then about 30 minutes later i got a call up to my hotel room and they were like hey mr brockenbush uh we have something down at the uh like the lobby the front desk lobby for you and i was like oh okay and I walked down and they had went to the store and bought a full size grape juice for me to have in my room. And I was just like, holy crap. Like I had never experienced anything like that before where like, I don't know, we're paying a few hundred dollars a night, but I never had an experience where someone like went out of their way to create an experience that I will never forget. Right. Mm. So I'm excited really to just kind of jump in this conversation with you first further. So you said you didn't really like, grow up in the hospitality industry, but it seems like you got your start relatively early on in life. How did you get your first job in that industry? I know you started as like a pool attendant. Is that right? Dude, so the story, man, it, it, it never goes away. <laughs> Bring it on. So <laughs> I grew up in the entertainment industry, right? I grew up in the music business. I got signed to a record deal when I was super young. And the nice. rich job, yeah, see, here's the problem. This is where the conversation's going to go. You're going to want to know, like, more about that <laughs> than actually what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, and so the Ritz, the, the Ritz-Carlton job um, honestly happened. It was, a, it was supposed to be a summer gig to keep me out of trouble. It was, hey, we found this, this hotel that's opening. Um, we need to, to have you do it this summer um, and enjoy. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And honestly, it was a part-time, part-time gig. Didn't know what I was walking into. And it rocked my world. Like it was, I didn't realize how much everything that was being said, just it resonated so much with me. Um, and it's one of those weird things. If you've ever been with somebody and they're like, how did you know that, you know, you talk to people that have been married for 50 years. Like, how did you know that she was the one? And they're like, oh, I just knew. And yeah. I wasn't like, how do you know that? Just right. Me. Yeah. Well, 
this was kind of that moment of sitting there going, I don't know why I just knew like this is, this was exactly where I was supposed to be in that, in that moment. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that was going to turn into what I was going to do with it, but I knew right then and there I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, and it literally went from part-time pool attendant to becoming an executive with the brand, you know, within a a short amount of time. Um, and a, a crap load of failures. Um, which is part of the process, right? You, I always say you can never talk about success without failure. Anybody that tries yep. to um, be very leery of what's in their closet that they're trying to hide from you. That's um, right. And I had a ton of failures along the way, had some amazing mentors, um, learned as much as I could and capitalized on it. Um, took advantage of every relationship and every opportunity that was being uh, thrown at me and the rest is history. What was the first opportunity outside of like that starting position that like stands out to you where you feel like you got your kind of first like okay like this could be more than just like my my job to keep me out of trouble like this could be a career this could be my future like do you remember that yeah so i was a i was a still a pool attendant and um when you go through ritz carlton um onboarding especially for a new hotel you have an entire countdown, right? And so you, you have two weeks worth essentially of culture training and service training and all this stuff, right? And everything that they were saying was just like, holy crap, like I get it, I'm in. Um, and there was a, there was <clears throat> something that was said to me by the general manager at the time and he said, Ritz Carlton's simple. He says, here it is. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get the guest a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest it's an elephant. And so he was essentially telling me, just do whatever it takes. Just make them happy, right? Yeah. So I was walking um, as a pool attendant. I'm walking by the manager of the pool at the time and the food and beverage director of the hotel. And I overhear a conversation happening about pool floats. And it's the funny thing is, to this day, that food and beverage director is now a high-level um, leader with Ritz Carlton. We still talk all the time. And he brings a story up. I'm walking by them and I hear them talking about pool floats and the director is looking for a very specific pool float for this with Carlton and the pool manager continues to like strike out like, man, I, I got this one. Nope. That's not it. I got this one. Nope. And they just could not find these things. Couldn't do it. And I'm like, I'm walking by and I was like, dude, that's a pink elephant. I was like, I got this. Um, and I literally went home that night and found this little podunk pool store that had this this pool mat and i went to the this poor i guarantee you they had like two customers right and i go walking in um and i'm like hey you know i'd like to this pool float and they're like oh great and i was like no i need like 150 of them and they just kind of looked at me with this look and i was like no no seriously and they just like were completely like uh, okay there's like the biggest sale of their career right uh, and yeah. <laughs> i made i made their business that month and so they said, like, uh, let us call our distributor. So next thing you know, literally within hours, they're like, we can have them here in three days. The total cost is going to be X. So I like, cool, I'll take them. At this point, I didn't know. Like, I just like, I'm just going to do it. Like, You're making it happen. Yeah. yeah. I'm making it happen. So I go back to the hotel the next day and I stop the director who I'm sure has no idea who I am. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm a pool attendant. I know you're looking for these rafts. He, I was like, I got you. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, that that blue specific raft you want. I was like, I was like, I have 150. They'll be here on Friday. And he kind of starts laughing. And, he, and he's like, 
he's like, okay, cool. He's like, um, let me know when they get here and you got a promotion if that happens. And dude, I went and got my grandfather's truck and I loaded this thing up. I looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. This thing strapped <laughs> all over the place <laughs> yeah. and showed up to the back dock and called this guy with, with this in this truck with, you know, a crap load of these blue floats. And he was like, how the hell? did you get these floats? And I was like, you said you wanted floats. I got you floats, bro. And literally I got a promotion like a week later. And that was kind of like that. I was like, I got this. Like I knew what I had to do, make it happen and ran. I think that's the biggest, I think that's like a great lesson for like the younger entrepreneurs out there listening Mm -hmm. to this episode is that if there's an opportunity, if you see something needs to be done, do it. it. Right. Like you might not feel like that's going to be noticed or, you might not be recognized for it. It's not always about recognition. It's just about showing up and being available and making things happen. People will take notice of that over time, and it goes a long way. Um, that's that's pretty I, cool, I can, man. I, I love that. Yeah, I love- dude. I could tell you. I could tell you that when you talk about hospitality or just business in general, you have to remember that money is a byproduct of something you're doing. It's either a service you're delivering, it's a product you've created. Money is a byproduct of something. When we're chasing money, you're never going to catch it. So if you can't find something that you have fallen in love with, you're passionate about, and realize that money is the byproduct of doing that, then you're completely missing out on the purpose of why you're doing it. And I think when you look at that example, I didn't realize what I was doing. I just knew that I could make something happen and it was going to make somebody happy. I knew that I fell in love with the with a company that said your whole function and job is to make people smile. That's it. Like I don't care what your title is, your job is to make them happy. So for me, I would just walk around the hotel and look for opportunities to make people happy. The byproduct of that was promotions, more money, all those things, but, but my intent had nothing to do with money. As yeah. far as I knew, they were paying me $7.50 an hour to make people happy. Yeah. And that's what I was like, doing. Okay. You're like, I can right? Yeah. And I, I think I think I was honestly my me being so naive to it is probably the best thing for me because I was like oh hell seven fifty make them happy I got it yeah. yeah I I think that that's it's obviously something that we still carry on in our current business now but it is something I kind of miss about working for Apple and prior to me working for Apple I was a grand opening trainer for Chick Fil A so I would like two of these brands that are just like the Ritz are very well known for their hospitality mindset and their mindset, their, their hospitality approach. And I miss that culture where there was just so much of that around me, where it's just like, when you see the guy next to you create like an experience where like someone is just like, they feel extra special or they feel, feel taken care of. It's like, man, like how do you, how do businesses apply that kind of mindset in smaller organizations when there's only a team of two or a team of three and maybe they only maybe they're like that pool company they only have five or ten customers how can we take that hospitality mindset of the ritz and apply it in small businesses you know i think you used a word that i I think is so relevant right now with what's going on not just hospitality but in from a labor perspective across the board and you use the term the word culture and when you talk about brands like, you know, Ritz Carlton, um, you know, Mary International, Apple, all these things, they're known for culture. And I think most people, when you when they go to decide to launch a company, we're very good at creating culture. And what I mean by that is, like, when you decide to start a business, most people like like, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write. This is my model, 
of my business. This is my mission statement. This is what we're going to achieve. Here's the pillars, right? We have all the keywords and we write all that down and we go file for our LLC or your S Corp. You're like, this is it. I'm going to start a business. And you essentially created culture. Where companies are failing right now and what you were just asking is we're great at creating culture. We suck at cultivating culture, Mm. right? It's one thing to create it. It's another thing to live it. And I think when you talk about brands like Ritz Carlton, um, probably Chick-fil-A, I've never worked for them. Um, I would have to assume Apple. They don't just create culture, they live it. There's not a day that goes by that they're not standing against their credo, their employee promise, whatever it is that they have. And you can look at them side by side and for the most part you go, yeah, that's who they are. It's, it's no longer something on a piece of paper, it's a lifestyle and I think for an organization that has one employee, two employees, or 2,000 employees, your ability to create a culture and have your team believe that culture and know that you live that culture is the key to long-term growth and the foundation you have to have if you want your company to succeed. Yep. I mean, when we worked for Apple, we literally... (laughs) We had a credo card. It was like a little tiny little, everybody made fun of us. It was like so cultish of us. It was like this tiny little Bible. It's like a little bifold credo card that fit into our, you know, lanyard that we would wear with our name on it. And um, it really was like, it was something that like in our daily stand up meetings, it was like, hey, let's pull out the credo card. Like, let's look at one of those core values. Like, how are we going to put that into practice today? How are we going to, how are we going to stand for that? Like, I, I think that more companies should put, it's, a lot of times, like you said, people create these brands, they've got their miss- mission, vision, values, and they write it down, and it's in that brand book, it's in the employee handbook, but it's like, how are you living it out? Where is it, like, is it on the wall so that you can see it every day? Is it something you're talking about on a daily basis? It's something that, really, those things should be like, we call them at our, our company when we do a branding project, LBVs, Living Breathing Values. They should be something that you are actually putting into practice and talking about on a daily basis so that it really is the standard in which you run your business and not just at like a thought that you had in the beginning and not on an ongoing basis. How do you feel? I agree more, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Um, the hospitality industry as a whole took a pretty, pretty interesting hit pandemic, right? Um, in a number of ways from, from the world shutting down to, uh, kind of the after effects of this like great resignation, period with with employees and people just having a a mindset shift of the kind of work they want to do and what's more important to them what's not and it seems like labor shortages are kind of more challenging now than ever how do organizations both in your industry as well as just a broader industry how can they adapt to those changes i think there's a a few things one go right back to our last kind of conversation you damn well better have culture um, at your organization and it better be something they can believe in because the idea that people left all these companies because they just they think they should make more money that's a lie and we have yep. data to support the fact that it had it really had nothing to do with money it had to do with people found out really fast how quick you were to let them go when something catastrophic hit um the whole oh you're family until you're not and i so i think one one thing that you, you've got to have is strong culture that people actually they trust you again and believe what you're saying the second thing that we did at our organization was i figured out that 
I have an amazing team that has helped grow this company exponentially, right? We have multiple divisions of our company. I also realized that I have an amazing team of individuals that are fulfilling my dreams and my vision. They have their own. They have their own dreams. They have their own vision of what they want to do. And the minute that I recognize that, and we have candid conversations constantly with all of our team members of not just how are you helping our company succeed? How can I help you get where you want to be? But don't tell me where you want to be within my company. Tell me where you want to be in life. Do you want to own your own restaurant one day? Do you want to own a bar? Do you Tell me what it is that you want in life and how can I help you get there? Either we become a partner with you or I set you up for success to get you where you want to be. But that's that trust factor where they go, this dude actually cares. He legitimately gives a damn about me and my future. So one thing you can do is create culture and build trust back with your team. Truly let them know that you care more about them um, than they than they even realized. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is we have to do a good job of taking advantage of technology. What things that are out there um, that can make us uh, more efficient. When I look at hospitality, it's a people business. So if I can create something to make my team more efficient so they can focus more on the person and less on the process, then ultimately that's a win for the company and the guests, which means you can drive revenue and, and profitability. So I'm, I'm not looking for technology to replace people. I'm looking for technology to replace processes so my people can be the in, in front and center and focus on the engagement piece. So I think when we look at organizations and businesses, I, I think getting out of our own way of saying, well, this is the way it's always been done. Um, well, that's just the, the process of how it is. And thinking outside the box, knowing that you could probably talk to most industries and they'll tell you that their consumer is drastically different now than they were five, seven years ago, and even more so in the past two years coming out of the pandemic. So if we know our consumer is drastically different, what are we doing different to meet them where they're at? Because if we continue to do what we've always done with a consumer that's looking for something different, there's going to be a, a constant mismatch on their expectations and our delivery. So for me, it's how are we evolving to meet them where they are? Utilizing technology to make us more efficient, but making sure I put my team in a better position to so they can um, so I can expose their strengths. I love that we're talking so much about culture because one of the questions I had actually written down, but we just naturally got to, which I'm I'm glad we did, was like how do culture and hospitality go hand in hand? And I think that as this conversation has kind of already shown it's like almost one in the same, right? It's like you have got to instill and not just instill, but also live out that that culture in order to have successful hospitality. I think that um, I want to tr I want to kind of move the conversation a little bit different of a way for just a second. You got your start. You took that first opportunity. I love that the pink elephant like that's just such a cool you know that's just a such a cool mindset how did you go from working in the ritz to doing what you're doing now where you're you're working for a lot of organizations at this point so can you talk to us a little bit about that transition in in your new business yeah i knew my dad was a psychologist and i knew that in in the process of me failing um 
and it, you know we go through this entire story of I left the Ritz, I opened up my first restaurants and bars, and they did extremely well, and then they crashed and burned. I lost everything, all this stuff, and throughout that failure, I wanted to understand: um, is there something deeper going on? Can I really understand um, our guests better? Is there something that's going on inside their brains that I can know ahead of time that'll help me anticipate their needs? Like I was just I was craving more. He did a ton of research for me came back and gave me some really good insights. I took those insights and kind of rolled that into um, the consulting aspect of how to how to really dive in and build build the brand from a hospitality standpoint and understand the consumer, the guest. Um, along the way with that, opened up more restaurants that I owned and bars and stuff like that and, and did really well with them. And along that, that journey of doing that, I... I knew that I knew that I knew what I was doing was different and it would work. And anytime there was somebody that told me no within the industry, I knew I was on the right path because they couldn't see my vision. They couldn't see what mm. I was seeing. So when I had somebody that had been doing this for 25, 30 years, um, an old school general manager, and they're like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. You don't know what you're talking about. It was almost fuel to say, this is right because I'm trying to do something so different. And I had, because I had so much passion attached to it, um, I had zero fear. I, and I'll be honest with you, if you're gonna launch a business, if you're gonna be an entrepreneur and you really are gonna go after something, you have to have no fear. You have to be willing to push all your chips on the table and be completely okay with losing everything. If you have any hesitancy whatsoever I, I can't tell you the number of people that work for Fortune 500 companies that I'm with them in a meeting and like, dude, I really want to launch this thing. We should do it together. And every time my immediate response is done, let's do it. Because that their their response back to me, to me will tell me everything I need to know. And 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is, oh, well, dude, I got I want to, but as soon as my kid graduates, as soon as I as soon as I pay this off. As soon as I can make, which tells me you're not really committed to it. You really don't believe in it. It's something you think is a good idea that can make you money, but you're not willing to put everything on the line for it. And if you're not willing to put everything on the line for it, then I am not going to be a good partner for you because I am going to scare the hell out of you. Because if you can't go all in, then this isn't going to work for me because that's my life. It is all in at all times. Either believe it or don't do it. I love that, man. I'm actually working on a. I'm working on two books right now, and one of them is called "Never Start a Business," and that book is <laughs> that book is literally all about that. It's the 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 whole purpose of the book is I want to encourage people to start businesses, but I want them to avoid those common pitfalls, and that being one of the biggest ones is you aren't willing to make the sacrifices it takes. You're not willing to put it all on the line. Like, why would I invest in your business if you're not even willing to invest in it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same question that I ask whenever people ask me about, you know, business partnerships. It's like, well, cool. Why don't you go and bring me the 10 first prospects that you've got lined up to buy your service or do that thing? And if you can show me that 10 people are interested, all right, cool. It shows me that you're willing to, to put in the work now, which makes me feel a lot more comfortable, you know, making my own personal risks there. I think, you, dude, it's you, so true. Yeah, one thing I'll tell you is that when I, when I talk about business stuff, is letting especially young people understand stop chasing a lifestyle 
Stop mm-hmm. chasing someone. And I use a quote all the time I love, and it says, never let someone else's passion cause you to pursue their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that every single person on the planet has some God-given gift, ability that, that is inside them, whether they realize it or not. When you can figure out where your passion intersects with your natural talent, that's where you find gold, man. And I think that if people stop chasing, you know how many friends I have that went to school to become doctors that are miserable, that don't want to do it anymore because they were chasing the lifestyle they thought being a doctor gave them or the fact that having that title meant something, but it really wasn't their passion. And I think when we can encourage people to have a deep conversation with themselves first to figure out, one, what am I naturally gifted at and how does that intersect with my passion? And I use the example, I, ha- I assume I'm a big sports guy and if you, um, I always use the Van Gundy uh, brothers as an example for this. And if you follow basketball at all, Jeff and Stan Van Gundy are coaches or at least were coaches in the NBA and analysts and stuff. And for me, those are two guys that probably grew up passionate about basketball, right? And they, as a kid in elementary school, middle, they probably went out every day and played ball and they wanted to be in the NBA. The problem is their natural talent was never going to intersect with their passion on that, right? They, they just, I don't care how long they went and shot outside, they, they weren't going to become an NBA player. What they were able to figure out is they didn't have to go back and say, well, you know, I wasn't good enough. Now I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life and, you know, sell insurance and talk about the days when I used to play ball in high school, right? Instead, they figured out they understand the game. They understand how to pick it apart. They know how to design it. They know how to motivate people. And they found a way to take a natural talent and intersect it with a passion to become amazing coaches and a part of an industry that they are highly passionate about. And so I think it's a perfect example of taking individuals and finding your passion, but how does it intersect with your natural talent and then run with that? When you can do that, it's a hell of a lot easier to make money. Oh, yeah. There's a great book that talks a lot about the topic you're talking about right now, which is a book called The E-Myth Revisited by uh, Michael Gerber, where you're talking about there's people that like try so, so hard to do something. And it's like, hey, like that's just not going to work out. It's not that you're a failure. It's not that you suck. It's just that you're never going to be the Tiger Woods. You're never going to be the Michael Jordan, and that's okay. But where can your passion still land within that same target, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. What? I love these conversations because I feel like there's just so much. There's so much to cover. There's so much ground to cover, um, especially when it, when it comes to hospitality and culture. And this just kind of obviously we do a lot of branding, and so like I get really excited and passionate about this conversation. But <laughs> when, how do you prevent failure? from being a roadblock to your future success? Cause you kind of, you skimmed over that for a second about your restaurants and all that. And, and I don't think you need to go completely down that path, but just in general, how did you prevent your failures from keeping you from achieving where you're at now? I mean, right now you've got over a hundred active ventures plus probably more than that by now. I mean, that was from your website. So I'm sure it's probably even bigger than that. So it's like, how did you prevent those failures from keeping you, you know, I guess hostage to the success you were able to find? How much do you believe in it, right? If you've if you've got something that you've birthed and you believe, I look at it as I have two kids, I have two daughters, right, and they mean the world to me, and I believe in them. It doesn't matter how many times they screw up; it doesn't change how much I believe in them. 
right? So when I look at my business, my something I birth, something I believe in with everything inside of me, there's not enough setbacks on this planet that'll keep me from believing in it and fighting for it. And I think if if something can knock you down and that's enough to keep you from going after it, you should have never done it in the first place. Like to, to me, failing those times when I failed were literally moments that I could look back on and go, holy crap, this is, I learned exactly this. And because of that, I able, I, I blew this thing up. And from this failure, I learned this and I blew the next thing up. And each one of those failures were moments for me of going, okay, cool. Now I know not to do that. Now I don't have to worry about the fear of failing on this one's gone because I know exactly what to do different next time and go do it. And there's nothing, you know, if, if you play golf, they always say you have to, you have to have a really short memory, right? You can't forget the last shot, which is typically yeah. bad because you got to focus <laughs> on the next one. I think business is no different for me. I'm, it is way easier for me to focus on the things that are amazing that were that were crushing than the few things that didn't go right and I, I think for most people when we look at society as a whole we tend to focus on the things that went wrong we focus on negativity versus realizing the positivity of what's actually happening if I look at I look at our business and we talked to our team um, there was a long time when we did um, all of our calls with internally are all video calls always always have been even before pandemic it was something I just believed in heavily. And we talk a lot about perception. And uh, your perception of how you view things will determine your emotions, which dictate your behavior, right? I can sit here and tell you that last night I didn't get a lot of sleep. It's a little bit gloomy outside. Like I could, I could point out 10 things that maybe aren't great. And I could also flip it around and say I'm sitting in a luxury hotel in Miami, Florida, s- staring at you know the bay um, wearing amazing clothes and like I, I can flip this it's about perception and if you travel the world enough and you engage with people that really are down and out if you have a place like I do in downtown Los Angeles and you have to step over people that are struggling in life that have that are homeless that have got beaten down some way somehow I don't care if you're listening to this right now your life's not that bad And I think it's a matter of perception and making sure that you realize whatever it is that you have to deal with in life is a moment for you to learn from and be better. It can always be worse, but I can tell you my wins way outweigh my losses. And I focus Mm -hmm. on the wins. I focus on on the great things that are going on, not the one or two things that might be happening that that aren't as positive. Yeah. Yeah, someone out there is wishing and hoping and praying for your bad day. If that makes sense. Somebody out there wants what you consider. Yeah, it's when you flip your perception of life, you realize how fortunate we all are. Um, Even on Mm -hmm. our worst day, how how fortunate our life is. I mean, look, pick up the news Mm -hmm. right now read anything that's going on globally and it really quick puts back the reality of, you know what? Life's not that bad. Um, Life's not that bad. Yeah. I was watching some TikTok videos and he's like, guy like walked up to a window to order a cup of coffee and boom, a missile comes down and you're just like, 
yeah, my day is not bad. My day is mm-hmm. not bad at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's just so easy for us to get overwhelmed by our bubble, right? Like mm-hmm. the things in front of us, the things beside us that we lose sight of the people further beyond our line of sight and our beyond our view. And I think that as leaders, as business owners, as colleagues, as just people in general, that's where I think we could do better. I think that we can have a, a better sense of awareness of how fortunate we are, even if it's on your worst day. Like mm-hmm. you said, if you can just take, if you have a list of the five things that you're, that feel like they're the worst parts about today, I challenge you to take five more things that make today the best day you've ever had, right? Because I mm-hmm. think that in all in all bad days, there are definitely, po- there's positivity, there's light, and you just have to find those things, shift your mindset. Mm-hmm. Dude, I can tell you, it's Speaking crazy of mindset. too, really quick. Yeah. As a, as a leader, yeah. and I love what you said, that we can do a better job as leaders of realizing the impact that we have on other people's lives, which ultimately comes back to affect us. And I will tell you right now, with, with a dad that was a psychologist, I'm, I'm very much uh, in, in the psyche understanding the human brain. If you walked out right now, and every person you came in contact with, I don't care if you know them or not, you smile, make eye contact, and simply say, hey, good morning. It changes the chemical balance inside of us and them. Our emotions dictate our behavior. When you go to Starbucks, engage the person at the register. Simply say, hey, thanks so much. You're freaking amazing. You're doing such a great job. Those little, those that, that 10 seconds of a few words that you decided to give someone can completely alter their chemical balance and change their day simply by engaging, smiling, and realizing that our words have power. And those words that have power can actually be a positive to change people's lives. It doesn't mean you have to give them a job and hand them a bunch of money. Simply look at somebody that you don't know what they're dealing with when they're walking by you and stop them and say, hey, it's great to see you today. How's your day going? How are you? How can I help you? Those little things are a game changer for people. And it's such a it's such a little thing that has such a big impact. Mm-hmm. I think that we could probably sit here and talk about this for hours longer because it is such a it seems like this conversation went from hospitality to like a life a lifestyle <laughs> culture. Yeah mindset never quit podcast it all goes together I'm, I'm, I'm okay with all of that but i've got to put you on the spot here man i'm gonna i'm gonna roll our little uh a little sound effect for our business quick hack so while i do that i want you to think about what is a hospitality hack that you can leave with our listeners all right chris what you got for us man hire people smarter than you are and lead them give them cast a vision for them Mm. and pull out of them what they never thought they were capable of right find Mm. things in them that they didn't realize what they had inside them and expose it put them in positions that they never thought they would be in, in the position of but let them clear the path for them right go out and clear the path for them but let them be great hire great people and let them be great 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 advice. Great advice. Don't have anything to add to that. There you have it, Small Business Nation, a bit of hospitality for you guys to put into practice. I think this was an awesome conversation. Chris, thanks again for your time, man. How can people support you? Where can they follow you? You know, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, you can jump online. 
www.ellisadamsinc.com um, or social media, right? That's I think that's the easiest way nowadays on Instagram, myself at Chris Adams underscore EAG or at Ellis Adams official. Either way, we'd love to, to hang out with you virtually and kind of take you on this ride with us. That's awesome, man. Hey guys, if you heard something on today's episode that resonated, make sure you reach out, let us know. You can hit us up on Instagram, Beefy Marketing. Uh, John is John the Video. I'm Andrew Brockenbush. You can even hit up Chris, let him know what you thought about the show. Make sure you leave us a review, share the episode with a friend. Uh, it's the way we know that you're listening. The hardest part about podcasting is the analytics suck. So we don't know that this podcast is good unless you tell us it's good. So make sure to reach out. And if you haven't already, join our awesome community of small business owners. It's called Small Business Nation. You can learn more about that, beefymarketing.com slash smallbusinessnation. It's our community that we created for business owners. Uh, it's a group where you can uh, chat about things, share your challenges, share your struggles, catch up with all the podcasts, a lot of cool stuff out there. Again, thank you guys for listening every single week. Chris, thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.